Hello, and welcome to the Skeleton Factory Podcast, episode 14. It's time to tie hand grenades in your pubes, and it is time to fuck with your favorite cult film podcast. This is Adam, coming to you from Austin, Texas. It is 1990, the best year for films in the 1990s, as a matter of fact, and the year of Goodfellas, and Home Alone, and Total Recall, and Misery, and Wild at Heart, and of course, Exorcist 3, as well as Mad Bull 34. Mad Bull 34 a four-part OVA that ran from 1990 to 1992, not to be confused with OVA, as in the reproductive egg cells in your mom's vagina, but OVA, which stands for Original Video Animation. And it follows two NYPD cops, Diazaboro Ediban, who looks like Ben Shapiro, Diazaburo is a rookie cop assigned to the toughest precinct in New York City, the 34th Precinct. He's partnered with John Estes, known as Sleepy to his friends and Mad Bull to his enemies. And Sleepy looks like, like a Tom of Finland drawing come to life. And if you don't know who Tom of Finland is, uh, look up some of his art and you may recognize it. It's very homoerotic, muscular, mustachioed men in leather-clad biker outfits and such. That's what Sleepy looks like. And that's our hero in this story. Did you know... Tom of Finland's website not only sells fine works of art by, uh, guess who, Tom of Finland, but also has a product called a bottle topper. And for the low, low price of $20, you can buy a bottle topper, which is basically a um, plastic bottle cap that's designed for easy one-handed access to amyl nitrates. Amyl nitrates, poppers, VCR head cleaner, and all kinds of other names it goes by for uh, use of uh, relaxing your muscles for anal penetration. Why am I bringing this up? Well, here's a list of side effects from popper usage. Skin lesions around the nose and lips. Increase intraocular pressure, headaches, sinusitis, and respiratory allergic reactions. Okay. These are the symptoms I've been suffering from for the past month without the benefits and joy of gay anal sex. Um, It's instead just allergies I've had. Horrible Austin, Texas... Cedar fever allergies. 
or it's a COVID variant I'm not privy to. But just in the past couple of days, I've been kind of coming out of that that fog of dry snot and sinus pressure that's just made me into a miserable fuck to be around. Anyhow, where was I? Oh, yes. Sleepy. Sleepy, the titular Mad Bull, our hero in this story. He's he's also like a like the woke left's worst nightmare in terms of a cartoon character, really. Uh, he raw dogs prostitutes with his like police officer's hat on and nothing else. Um, his idea of a effective police work is uh, exploding criminals' heads with multiple shotgun blasts or decapitation with a dining room table. He's also a pimp and cop and our hero. So, a lot to unpack. So, uh, this OVA is a four- part series it's four episodes and let's run through the four episodes shall we i am referencing the english dub of mad bull 34 Uh, it came out in 1996 through manga entertainment and why? Because I don't know. I'm because I like to appeal to lowest common denominator. You know, what? Like, why read subtitles if you don't have to? No, that's not the reason. Um, the English dub is English dubs with most things for you fans of Squid Game. Sometimes English dubs, there's there's. There are things lost in translation that when translated into English sounds a little off, a little strange. And anime from the 90s is well, was no exception. So as as much as I like traditional Japanese with English subtitle anime, uh, I do find English dubs are pretty good. I mean, uh, a good example would be uh, Akira, the super-duper famous Akira. Akira, Akira. However you like to pronounce it. (laughs) With my American tongue. It's uh, when they came out with the special edition um what was it the special edition Blu-ray? I think it was of Akira. They re-recorded the English dub, and that English dub sounds a whole lot better than the original English dub. Um, a lot better, and the dialogue sounds a little more natural and not so weird. So that's that's the version of Mad Bull Thirty Four that I'm going to be referencing. Also, it just makes sense. The story takes place in New York City. So, 
it's weird to see this American story taking place and everyone's speaking Japanese. So the English dub is preferred. So episode one is titled The Scandal. And it opens up with a slow panning shot of New York City. You see the Statue of Liberty and the World Trade Center Towers. You know, at some point, and this is a shame, but at some point, like no one's no one under the age of forty is gonna give a shit about seeing the World Trade Center towers in movies and TV shows anymore. And I don't mean like they're not going to give a shit that a bunch of people got killed by terrorists on American soil. I don't mean it that way. I mean people their memories suck nowadays and they just won't under they won't get the reference every time the towers are shown in a movie or a TV show or something. And I'm sure in the future they will be shown as to kind of show like, oh, this is a story that takes place pre-9-11. So you see the towers, you see the New York skyline as it was then, not as it is now. It's a fucking disgrace, actually. It's, 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 uh, it really is. Anyways, that has nothing to do with anything. Anyways, uh, episode one, The Scandal introduces our heroes sets up everything we need to know um, pretty well. It sets up the buddy cop, good cop, bad cop tropes. It uh, sleepy is, is if RoboCop was Charles Bronson who likes to fuck. That's who sleepy is. And that's who he is through the, the the rest of the remaining episodes. Like, whenever Sleepy can, he's down to fuck. So that's just part of his character. He's a total nympho. He's a man nympho. He's the Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon and... Pep Strebeck from Dragnet. He's like a combination of mm, unusual police methods to bring his to bring criminals to justice. Um, possible use of excessive force from time to time. Possibly working on the outside of the law here and there, but always to catch the bad guy. And Diazaboro, Diazaboro Eddie Bond, he is the straight laced Joe Friday, Roger Murtaugh character, the by the book, naive, do gooder character. He's Sleepy's foil. He's. Alex Murphy before he gets killed and Sleepy is Murphy after he becomes RoboCop. Just total opposites. 
one is a alpha male nympho. The other one is a more buttoned down conservative saving himself for marriage do-gooder type. And having that dynamic, we are able to introduce all types of sex and gore and violence and rape and murder. Um, you know, this is not for sensitive eyes or ears. It's one of those 90s anime, which there were a lot back in those days. There was, you know, like Fist of the North Star and, of course, Akira and Violence Jack whole bunch of stuff like that. It's just hyper-violent and but a lot of fun, especially when you're a young man. If you're between the ages of like 10 and, I don't know, 14, like this stuff is the shit. You watch that, you watch Monday Night Raw, you watch Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, and you fucking eat Pizza Hut, and then jerk off and go to sleep. Like, that's a good life right there. If you can go, if you can go back in time, and if you can put yourself inside of a Matrix situation where you blue pill or the temporal ribbon from Star Trek, and you can just live in an era of your life forever, like a Groundhog's Day that you can choose. I don't know. I think I would pick that uh, that early teens time where it's just WWF jerking off eating junk food occasionally smoking some weed and watching anime that's a good fucking time right there you're just like there's no account accountability for your actions and you can't really get in that much trouble because you're a minor that's a good fucking deal I feel like that's how people are trying to make the world now like, people are trying to skirt responsibility and accountability for their actions so that they can live in this perpetual adolescence. And you know what? They might have a point, except they go about it the wrong way. They go about it through, like, identity politics and shit like that. But if if people had if people, if people just said, like, look, I identify as a 14-year-old boy, a sexless 14-year-old boy, and all I want to do is I want to watch I want to watch Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and WCW Nitro and, and WCW Thunder. I want to listen to the Misfits and the Dead Kennedys. I want to jerk off. I want to smoke overpriced shitty weed and throw shit off the overpass at cars and um just ride my bike with my headphones on in the moonlight. That'd be great. But we don't live in that world. We do not live in that world. But in the world of Mad Bull 34, it's um it's a brutal, gritty violent world but if you can handle the uh, death wish films if you can handle robocop which is one of the greatest movies of all time if you can handle a hobo with a shotgun 
starring Rucker Howard, rest in peace, then you can handle Mad Bull 34 and understand the the humor, the absurdity. You know, it's not trying to make any statements, any, like, profound messaging. <laughs> there's, there's none of that. It's sort of like, it's exploitation. It's it's exploitation of sex and violence and police brutality and it's 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 absurdity for the sake of absurdity. And because of that, it makes it harmless because good always prevails at the end. But, you know, how we get to that point is uh is is a little dicey. You know, but you have to have some kind of some type of fondness for anti-heroes, which some people don't have. But if you have some type of fondness in the anti-hero sort of avatar, <laughs> like you'll like this. Even the most defund the police person would would enjoy this, I think. Let's see. Uh, so the character of Sleepy runs all the prostitution in the 34th precinct. Like, he is the main pimp. But he's, like, really low-key about it. He doesn't wear, like, a like a pimp outfit or anything like that. Or he doesn't slap his bitches around or anything like that. It's more of, like, he offers them protection... And make sure that the prostitutes are taken care of. He provides a system for sex workers to exist in an ideal world. As opposed to just arresting them. So, you know, that's a, that's a weird little, that's a weird little thing that's sort of inserted into this world. And um, it's, it's, it's primarily in the first episode that they set this up. So, but the, uh, for the first episode, there's, uh, the disposable bad guy in the, epi- in this, there has to be the disposable bad guy because it's, it's four parts. Each episode is like 40 something minutes long. So you got to establish the bad guy for being a horrible bad guy, and then the good guys have to beat the bad guy and put a nice bow on it at the end, have a happy ending, the end. There's no to be continued, there's no none of that. They have to establish the bad guy's bad, and the good guys have to stop the bad guys. Very simple. There is a, a bad guy in this episode. His name is Curtis, and he's also a pimp. He's a big, hulking, black pimp with sunglasses and, uh, and, a, and a bad attitude. And Curtis plans to take over Sleepy's prostitution territory. So he attempts to kill Diazaboro and Sleepy. 
And he does make an attempt on their lives, which they survive. But they're presumed dead. And Diazaburo suggests to Sleepy, well, clearly somebody sabotaged our cop car and expected us to die from the ensuing crash. So let's pretend we're dead so we can go after the people who did this and they'll never see us coming. We'll have the element of surprise. Sleepy's like, ooh, that's good. I like that. Let's do that. And uh, also, Curtis kills one of Sleepy's uh, prostitutes. Murders her terribly. It's rather creative, actually. A lot of the kills in this are interesting. (laughs) They're gory and interesting. Um, So this poor woman who... uh, Sleepy has sex with because he has sleep, he has sex with all of his prostitutes. He has sex with all of his prostitutes, and they love him because he's a strong, virile man who makes sweet love to them. Sleepy also takes a cut, given he's a pimp. Given he's a pimp, he does take a cut of their prostitution uh, money. And they set that up in the beginning where he goes around to a lot of his prostitutes and uh, picks up, wants his cut, wants his money. And you don't really know exactly what he does with the money. And then you later find out that he actually run. He has an organization that basically uh, helps sex workers get tested for venereal diseases and gets medical care and uh, donates money to a women's shelter. So he's this unconventional, wild (laughs) police officer who uh, does the right thing even though he's not the most ethical police officer in the world. But he could be a lot worse. He could be a whole lot worse. So after the attempt on Diazaburo and Sleepy, Sleepy and Diazaburo fake their deaths. They even have a funeral. They have a fake funeral. And they decide to go after Curtis. And they finally uh, track him down. They track Curtis down on their own. And Curtis and Sleepy have a uh, fight to the death on a speeding subway train. Very exciting. Very exciting. And it's actually reminiscent of the end of the movie Speed a little bit. The final fight between Dennis Hopper and Keanu Reeves. Hmm. A little bit. It's not like a total ripoff or anything. But they end up having this fight, and Sleepy brutally kills Curtis by... Well, let me explain. They're they're having this fight, and as the train is speeding, the doors are activated, and they open. And Curtis is trying to push Sleepy out of the moving train car. And... Sleepy is able to overpower him, grabs a hold of Curtis, 
and sticks his head outside of the open doors at the exact moment when another subway car is on the track next to theirs going in the opposite direction. And he smashes Curtis's face on the side of the moving train car and just grinds his head clean off. Very brutal. Very brutal indeed. Grinds his head off of his body. Bad guy defeated. The end. (laughs) That's basically episode one in a nutshell. And on top of all of the colorful language. Colorful language that may not fly nowadays. Here's a sample of some of that colorful dialogue from episode one, The Scandal. Enjoy. What is it? What are you guys doing here? We're gonna fuck the ass off you. You're gonna have a sore pussy. Hey, fuck you, Junior. Where do you get off giving orders? Fucking kid. I didn't know they were recruiting boys out of the force. I bet you're shitting your pants. What? Oh, no. She'll thaw out if you stick your finger up her ass. What? You gotta be kidding. It means they were gonna kill you once they'd done screwing you. It's an Uzi machine pistol. They were gonna escape by killing everyone. I figured they would have taken the tape out of the camera for a souvenir. Then again, they might have copied it and sold it on a black market. Any number of sick shit fucks would want to see you getting raped and then murdered would fetch a good price. I bet she gives a real good fuck. Get lost! I'm gonna screw the bitch first! Let's go! Now then... Let's move on to episode two of Mad Bull 34, The Manhattan Project. The second part of Mad Bull 34, a love interest for Dizabaro in Lieutenant Perrine Valley. She often teams up with our heroes. And she's a good character. It's a funny thing. In, in in this world where everyone is a sexist, criminal, rapey pervert, there is a strong, smart, capable female. Like Wendy Carr from Mindhunter or Dana Scully from X-Files. Something for everybody. Something for everybody. Something for everybody. You listen to Devo, right? Something for everybody. That's a good album. Also, they introduced Detective Lieutenant DeMeyer, a creepy perv who is heading a drug sting operation. A detective that's capable and respected, but 
has an air of suspicion around him, especially Perrine Valley. She is when she first uh, comes onto the force over at uh, Precinct Thirty Four. She comes in with great credentials and a great history of busts and. When she's introduced to Lieutenant DeMeyer, she shoots him a weird look like, mm, there's something about you that I don't like. And she would be correct. So, during a, a stakeout for a drug bust, it's headed by Lieutenant DeMeyer and... Perrine is there, and Sleepy, and Dizaboro. And during the stakeout, Demeyer sends Dizaboro and Sleepy to get a sort of elevated bird's-eye view on top of a building to watch the, the big drug and money exchange. And... (laughs) <laughs> he has himself and Perrine wait in a car outside the warehouse where this drug exchange is supposed to take place. And almost immediately, he tries to rape Perrine during the stakeout because, you know, stakeouts can take a long time. During this drug bust... During the stakeout, Demire tries to finger blast Perrine while uh, trying to suck on her titties. You know, Perrine was right. He was a shifty character. That's one thing about this show. It, like, it just jumps from one extreme to another. But again, you have a finite amount of time. Because it's not a full-length movie. They're, these OVAs are, you know... 40 less than 50 minutes to really get your point across of like, here's the bad guy. We must stop the bad guy. And then we stop the bad guy the end. So, so Demire's a total dirty cop, but not like how Sleepy's a dirty cop. Like he's a rapey taking money from drug lords type of dirty cop. So they're, So, uh, during this uh, rapey moment he has, uh, their cover gets blown, and a shootout, a shootout ensues, and Sleepy, there's there's a scene where there's, there's just a bunch of thugs with, you know, a bunch of just dudes with guns, and then there's... Sleeping dies a burrow on top of the building, and they're just, it's just the two of them, so they're essentially trapped and completely outgunned. And then Perrine and Demire are basically have to leave the car on foot and take cover. And during this, Sleepy gets shot in the ass. Like in his ass cheeks. Six times. I shot him six times! You've seen Halloween. 
Dr. Loomis shoots Michael Myers six times. That's what happened here. Sleepy gets shot in his ass cheeks six times, and there's like, he gets pulled to safety um, on the roof but by Dysaboro, but like the bullet holes in his ass cheeks are like pouring out blood from his bullet hole ass wounds. It's it's like I don't know it like it's gross, but somehow it's played for laughs. Like oh geez, Sleepy got shot in his butt cheeks. Waka waka. I don't know. It's it's weird the things that creep me out. They're like most things don't really creep me out. Like the some things are difficult to look at or or kind of like disturbing or whatever. But. I don't know. I don't really get creeped out by too many things, but like, I don't know, like blood pouring out of a man's butt cheeks from bullet holes. It's just like, ugh, I don't like that. It makes my fucking skin crawl. Anyways, uh, shootout ensues and Sleepy, Dysaboro, and Perrine are outnumbered, outgunned. Meanwhile, Demeyer grabs the drugs and he escapes. So, this chicken shit it leaves our heroes high and dry. So, yet another instance of like Demeyer cannot be trusted and he um, he's just filled with self interest and uh, he's not a good guy. But Sleepy was prepared. In case something like this happened where they would be completely overwhelmed with superior firepower. Sleepy was prepared. He removes his pants, revealing a shocking sight. He has tied a dozen or so hand grenades to his pubic hair. Oh yes, a bouquet of hand grenades affixed with his pubes, a hand grenade jock strap, as described in the show. One of those creative choices that makes this OVA a cult classic, I feel. I feel when people talk about or review Mad Bull 34, they're, they reference the second episode, this episode. So, yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta have some creativity. You know, there's only so much you can do with like, you know, out of control, good cop, bad cop thing. Like you need to have creative, uh, weird nonsense going on just to kind of keep you awake. So, uh, also, introduced is Don Enrico. He is this episode's villain of the week. He's a crime boss who Perrine crippled to the point where he is wheelchair bound, but he's a wheelchair bound robot cyborg. Like you could tell he's was a man, but he's being held together with uh, cybernetic things attached to him. 
and he has a fucking axe to grind. So, because he's a he's a drug lord, and for some reason, he's a yeah he's a wheelchair bound robot. But anyways, it's uh, Perrine busted Don Enrico's drug syndicate like in the past, and by so before Perrine came to the thirty fourth precinct, she had a whole other police career where she was like a total total super cop badass and one of the um one of her cases she busted one of Don Enrico's it's 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 kind of like this episode like there was some type of drug exchange taking place in a warehouse because back in the 80s and 90s all shootouts take place in a fucking warehouse because why not and anyways, so Perrine ends up blowing up the warehouse where there's drug buses taking place and Don Enrico and all of his all of his goons are all blown up in the process. Don Enrico's body was never found and was assumed dead. Ooh, you know what happens when you assume. Now Don Enrico is back and he looks like Death Clock or Deathlock rather. You know, Death Clock? Why do I say Death Clock? No, Death Clock is the metal band. <laughs> Death, Death Clock is the Metalocalypse band. But I'm not talking about Death Clock. I'm talking about Death Lock. And Death Lock was a Marvel comic book character who happens to be half man, half robot cyborg. Hmm. Interesting. But Don Rico is basically Deathlock meets Stephen Hawking because he's in a wheelchair and he's wearing a suit. So, but he's evil. But since this is uh, Mad Bull 34, Don Rico wants to watch Perrine be gang raped by his muscle bound henchmen because, you know, he wants to watch his. His enemies suffer before they die. And there's a scene where Dizaboro, who's also with Perrine, and she, they're, they're, both of them get captured by Don Enrico and his, and his thugs. Uh, Dizaboro decides to distract the terrible certainty of Perrine getting raped and then murdered in front of him for the pleasure of Don Enrico. He basically, Dizabro distracts the henchmen and is basically like, hey, like, why why don't you uh, put your guns down and fight me? Fight me like men. And he's like this little guy. So these big dudes, are, their egos can't handle this little guy calling them all out. He's like, I'll fight all of you. You guys are, you guys are bitches. Y'all are bitches, the lot of you. And the henchmen proceed to beat the shit out of Dizaboro nearly to death. But Perrine and Dizaboro are saved by Sleepy, armed with exploding cans of iced coffee. 
I'm not going to explain why he has exploding cans of iced coffee, but he does. He's able to bust into bust into this place because um, he has exploding cans of iced coffee. So he kills all the henchmen and ends up decapitating Don Enrico with a dining room table, revealing Don Enrico's wiry insides. The whole insides was all just sparking wires and shit. It's like, it's like that scene in alien where Yafit Koto fucking hits homeboy. and His fucking head flies off. It's like that. So Dysboro is hospitalized and not expected to survive the beating that he took. But Sleepy convinces Perrine to marry Dysaburo on his deathbed. And the idea is that he would die happy having married his crush because they have established that Dysaburo's had a huge crush on Perrine, but he's, he's not quite the assertive guy who just goes after the girl that he's interested in. And so Sleepy... Convinces Perrine to marry him on his deathbed. And the idea is like, it sounds crazy, but the deathbed marriage will give him the will to live. And in fact, it did. And, and Dysaburo ended up making a full recovery. And as for Lieutenant DeMeyer, he is apprehended by Sleepy and Perrine. Perrine's still in her wedding dress from marrying Dysboro in his hospital bed in the previous scene. And Roundhouse kicks DeMeyer's face off. And case closed. Teamwork makes the dream work. The end. That's the end of the episode. Uh, and again, in a nutshell. And it's a good episode. And I think, um, let's see. Ah, why not? Here is some of the uh, more choice quotes from episode two, The Manhattan Project. Enjoy. Listen, you sad shit fuck. We know you've been pushing drugs around the neighborhood. Tell us who your suppliers are. I'll break your fucking neck, dickweed. Tell us. Tell you what, I'll cut you a deal. I'll tell you for a fuck. Hey, you cocksucker, don't use your filthy fucking talk with her. Watch your fucking mouth. The best way to keep warm in these situations is to share our body heat. What the hell are you doing? Hey, shut up or you blow our cover, you stupid little bitch. I know you want me to put my cock inside you. And you're gonna get it. Fuck with them, they're just a couple of beat cops. They're expendable. And so are you, Miss Valley, so just shut the fuck up and follow orders. Oh, sleepy fuck me. Oh, yes, yes, don't hold back. Give it to me really hard. Oh, oh. Nicola Mechanic, you haven't changed either. You still stink of stale coffee and piss and you look like shit. <laughs> hey, copper, watch me fuck this bitch. you can stop a little guy like me's with machine guns then you can kiss my butt and call it ice cream you bunch of limp dick faggots 
Come and fight properly and I'll kick the living shit out of you. <laughs> Enjoy the show, Perrine, because once it's over, we're all gonna take turns to fuck you. And now we enter episode three, City of Vice. And on this third part of Mad Bull 34, we are introduced to TV reporter Jackie Moyette, who is investigating a man named Maury Edwards, an alleged murdering serial rapist and wealthy businessman. Mm. That feels very current to me. That's a... Wealthy, wealthy white dudes weren't raping people like twenty years ago, or at least we didn't know about it. And now we find out that all wealthy businessmen are raping people. So, so Mad Bull Thirty Four is really this kind of ahead of its time prophetic um, document. Historical document. And uh, allegations that Maury Edwards is has bribed police and city officials to get away with his crimes are a big part of uh, Jackie Moyet's investigative journalism. And she's very aggressive with her news reports and uh, Jackie her whole backstory is she's an old friend of Perrine Valley and uh, and Sleepy's got a big old crush on her and Sleepy doesn't really have crushes on on anybody he just he just fucks hot chicks you know so this is the first time in Sleepy's story arc where he actually has caught some feelings for somebody. So that's that's interesting. That's an interesting variety of stuff going on very early on in the episode. And after Jackie's um, on-camera confrontation with Maury Edwards, uh, that's at the beginning of the show, she literally like runs up on Maury Edwards as he's coming out of a courtroom. Uh, the courthouse, rather, and is a- asks him something to the point of, how how could you say you're not a rapist? <laughs> and then his his uh, bodyguards kind of toss her aside, and so she goes hard in the paint. Like if she if if Jackie's coming after you, you got to expect she's going to bring the fire every time. So she, after that confrontation uh, with Maury Edwards, uh, our heroes, Sleepy, Dizaboro, and um, Perrine, accompany Jackie to her apartment. And 
what do they find there? They find that Jackie's cat was roasted to death in her oven. An ominous warning to Jackie that she better stop investigating Edwards or else. Shortly thereafter, a bomb blows up her car and she is saved by Dizaboro at the last moment. Right as she goes to pull the handle on her door, Dizaboro pulls her away from the car before she is uh, completely blown up by the car bomb. After that, Jackie is completely sprung on Dizaboro because of his heroic nature, which is a bummer to Sleepy because Sleepy is just used to. Uh, He's used to being the guy that uh, that fucks everybody. But now Dizaboro is the one who's being crushed on. So Let's see. Meanwhile, in Maury Edwards' lair, he's watching the nightly news where Jackie questions uh, police f- officials in a press conference. And... Um, her questions are completely shut down, further indicating that there's corruption. They don't want to speak on possible corruption in the police force and that uh, Maury Edwards is spending a boatload of money to um, make evidence disappear and basically keep himself out of prison. So Edwards hires a gang of assassins and the name of the gang, it depends on who's pronouncing it, but I believe the name of the gang is Sao You Mean. They're like the gang from Assault on Precinct 13, if you ever saw that. I hope there's not a remake of that. I don't know if there is. There better not be. That would be weird. But the original John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 is a wonderful, wonderful movie. Watch that. Watch that during the Christmas season. That's a, that's a, that's a good movie to kind of sit around on a cold day and watch, uh, watch the siege of a police station by a gang of psychos. Also, very, very of our time material. It harkens back to uh, you know, Seattle and Portland and Minnesota and all these other cities where people want to burn down the police stations with human beings inside. But yes, the the Salyumin, they're a kamikaze gang. Not that they fly airplanes or anything, but they're willing to sacrifice themselves to kill a target. So they're 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 hired but they don't just hire one assassin it's a, an entire gang of assassins and they're like ninjas except they don't have ninja costumes and they're willing to sacrifice themselves to kill their target they're a essentially a fearless death cult and they're really the best villains in the series because they're fucking terrifying. You know, they don't hide behind 
you know, hired thugs and goons and gang members and drug narco people. Like they are the fucking, they are the muscle. They are their own muscle, but they operate in this like Manson family haze of hypnotic psychosis. It's fucking awesome. And I don't know. I know for, I I mean, all the char- all the bad guys in these series, they all just end up getting fucking killed. Like, rarely does one just get apprehended and arrested. Um, those are usually minor bad guys. But the big ones, it's like, well, not all of them, I guess. But, I mean, <laughs> most bad guys get murdered in this, uh, this series. But, you know, a few actually get brought to justice. But the Salyumin is awesome because they're just, like, nameless, faceless like cult members that just keep coming in droves and they have no, they're just, they're like suicide bombers. They have absolutely no concern for their well being. They all, the only thing they have concern for is the mission. And to me, that's, that makes them the best villains. And, that's who Maury Edwards hires to uh, to kill Jackie Moyette because she's on the news and she's putting his name in her mouth and she's not going to let it go. Like he's a corrupt rich guy who's able to get away with uh, serial rape and murder of uh, innocent women. So in... And Jackie will not have it. She will not stop until he's brought to justice. But in the meantime, it puts a giant target on her back. So the Salyumin are now uh, tasked with killing Jackie, killing Dizaboro, and killing Sleepy. And Perrine, technically. But it's really Sleepy and Dizaboro, so... So that's basically the setup to the show, to City of Vice, part three. So then we cut to Sleepy. Uh, Sleepy gets interrupted mid-coitus with some rando chick, because every episode, Sleepy's got to fuck. That is a character trait of his, and it has to be addressed every single part of this OVA. So Sleepy's getting some fucking done, and then um, he is, uh, he's actually, yeah, he's interrupted by a phone call, and he's informed by um, Nichols the Mechanic. Nichols the Mechanic, by the way, I uh, was in, is in basically every episode, but Nick, but I didn't mention it before because, well, first of all, let me explain why he's calling him. He, he calls Sleepy at his house. And informs him that the Salyuming are are gunning for him, like they're coming after him. And so Nichols is Nichols the mechanic is is a reoccurring character that doesn't really matter. Uh, his defining his defining characteristic is he smells uh, like piss and. Uh, 
It's one of those things where he's like possibly homeless, but but knows how to build complex explosives and happens to know the goings on of the inner workings of criminal organizations somehow. I don't know. He's definitely got the uh, got uh, auto mechanic tweaker vibes. Uh, you know, you can't tell if he's homeless or not, but has money somehow. You know, I grew up in uh, the northern part of central California, and that's that's most of the people who live there. They're just tweakers who work on uh, transmissions in their garage all night while listening to Pantera and doing crank. So I, I understand the who the character is supposed to be, but I just... I don't know. I think I think this they could have done without him. Anyways, the uh, Sao Yuming tried to kill Dizaburo, Sleepy, and Jackie. So there's a uh, a montage of them trying to kill Dizaburo, Sleepy, and Jackie. And uh, when that begins, it's awesome. Because it's like scene after scene of them trying to kill these guys but failing. And uh, it's fun. It's exciting. There's a lot of action. And um, so, for instance, two members of the Sayuming try to kill Sleepy. This is like after he's done with his fuck scene and he's like leaving the building that he was in. And uh, one member tries to run Sleepy over with a motorcycle, and uh, that doesn't work. So then uh, another member appears and tries to stab him. That doesn't work. And then uh, they try to shoot him, and the member, the Sayuming member with the gun, ends up shooting the other Sayuming member on accident, and then, um, and then ends up shooting themselves in the mouth. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like, Sleepy's right there, just shoot him. But instead, they just commit suicide. Like, just shoot him. Sleepy's right there. Like, But, I'm, anyways, I, I get that they want to demonstrate that these Sanyuming guys are crazy and have no regard for anyone's life, including their own. Like, I totally get that. It's kind of retarded, but I'll let it slide. What I can't let slide is the very next scene where Sleepy is in a hospital bed with Dizaburo, Perrine, and Jackie standing over him, and Sleepy's whole body, except his head, is wrapped in ace bandages, possibly a body cast. And like, like he's a fucking burn victim. He wasn't even injured by the Sayuming in the scene right before it. Maybe there's a scene missing that I'm not aware of. I don't know. That's possible. But that didn't make any sense. But the scene after that does make up for it. Uh, Dizaburo and Perrine are following in their in their police car they're following Jackie's news van on the freeway. 
when suddenly two Ming members on a motorcycle pull up alongside alongside the news van. And so it's two members on a motorcycle, and the one that's in the back of the motorcycle pulls out a chainsaw and chainsaws the back tire of the news van, causing it to lose control, flip through the air, crash to the ground, and skid to a stop. Then Dizerboro ends up chasing after the motorcycle, and the two Ming members end up flipping a bitch and start speeding directly at Dizerboro's car. Um, head on, shooting at him. They sh- they end up shooting out the windshield, and they're basically playing this game of chicken where they just are driving right at each other. The Ming members, like, move out of the way, and the guy in the back of the bike chainsaws the car in half as they pass by it. It's epic as fuck. It's something straight out of uh, Matrix Reloaded. Do you remember that scene? The Matrix Elite Reloaded scene on the freeway where Morpheus takes a samurai sword and uh, cuts out the back tires of the SUV driven by the two albino dreadlock guys. That's what it reminded me of. It's pretty fucking sweet. So, they drive by, they cut the car in half, the idea, with a chainsaw, I guess. It's totally un, not realistic at all, but it's pretty awesome. Um, and the idea is they, they figured they would chop Dizerboro in half, but they didn't. Dizerboro uh, appeared, he pops the top of the car off like a Pez dispenser, and then shoots the motorcycle guys before they have a chance to turn around. And... He shoots both of them. They fly off the motorcycle dead. It's violent as fuck, but justified. There's also several more scenes of the Sayuming wreaking havoc. You get the point. Also, there's another murder attempt on Jackie. There's an altercation where uh, Perrine's titties pop out. Every episode, Perrine's titties make an appearance. You know, just because... You never seen Perrine actually have sex with anybody. Like you never see her eventually you, you know, hook up with Dizaboro. You know, she's certainly not fucking sleepy cuz it's like she's too smart to be fucking him. He's like a giant fucking retard. Like she's not going to fuck him. But every episode someone tries to get rapey with her and pulls her tits out. That that happens a lot in this show. Um I don't know. Creative choices, right? So, after failing to kill Jackie, that the the Sayuming that is, Edward's men finally just roll up and kidnap Jackie, which is what was remarkably simple. They roll up and they roll up on her in a car and kidnap her, and bring her to Edward's uh, evil guy mansion. Edwards informs uh, Jackie that it's uh, time for some raping. Time for some raping. 
And uh, basically, he's going to make her suffer before they ultimately kill her. A running theme in this uh, in this OVA is, you know, there's a woman that these dangerous, powerful people don't like, and before, you know, the only way to silence these women is to thoroughly rape them and then murder them. That's the only way, and then, but... <laughs> But yeah, Edwards informs Jackie that it's uh, time for some raping. Suddenly, our hero's police cruiser flies through the window of the mansion like the Dukes of Hazard. They grab Jackie and they drive out of the mansion. Edwards' men are hot on their heels, filling the car with lead. Just when you think they're they're safe. Two more Sayuming members appear on a motorcycle, except this time they have the fuses lit on a fuckload of dynamite. And they're driving straight at their car. Everyone at the last second jumps out of the police car, and the Sayuming members crash into the car and it explodes. Edward's men uh, get taken out by Sleepy. Mmm. There's a kill dozer, da da da. Edward goes to prison. And you think that's the end, but wait. There is more. The the end is actually Jackie goes to Sleepy's apartment after all is said and done. And you think, you know, the worst is over. The worst is over. Everyone's. All the Sayuming is dead. Edward's and his. Uh, Edward's going to prison and all his men are dead. So Jackie goes to Sleepy's apartment with some wine, some flowers. Classy move. Sleepy takes this sweet gesture as an opportunity to answer the door naked, probably with a boner, snatch up Jackie and attempt to, uh, uh, what's another word for rape? Uh, f- forcefully exchange fluids. Yeah, he tries to forcefully exchange fluids with Jackie. She ends up, she's totally uh, panicked and thrown off by <laughs> by this, and is is screaming, and she seems terrified. Uh, you know. Makes sense. And then she ends up smashing a phone over Sleepy's head. And I mean like an old school telephone. Like something that weighs like 10 pounds. And if you hit someone in the head with it, you fuck them up real bad. Like one of those phones, not like a cell phone. So she smashes a phone over his head. Like Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies. Remember that scene? Adam, are you suggesting that True Lies ripped off Mad Bull 34? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what I'm suggesting. Because screw your freedom. Anyways, here's some um, some highlights from this episode. City of Vice. Enjoy. 
I love the color of red wine. It's just like freshly spilled blood. Thanks for the fuck, Emmy. With a couple of beautiful chicks like Jackie and Farina around, I needed some release before I went and ruined my goddamn pants. Oh, uh... Fucking great. It's the Saulu mine. Jackie and Farina gonna be in danger. Come on, we better move it. Yeah. Listen, from now on, we're not rest until these four are lying in their graves. Even if we have to throw away our lives, we will kill them all. I can't breathe. Hey, let me go, will you? I, I don't believe you. Now, who are those assholes in the car who kidnapped Jackie? You better tell me, Nickel, or I'll break your neck, huh? <laughs> You're a troublesome little bitch. But on this occasion, there'll be no escape for you. <laughs> Go on, scream away as much as you like, nobody gives a fuck. Speaking of which, me and the boys thought we'd take it in turns to screw you. Ha ha ha! Nice. Hey, Nizamara, where do you think you're going? We gotta arrest this son of a bitch! Hey, fuck off, Sleepy! There's enough lead out there to cover a church roof! Uh, it's gonna take more than that to kill man bull. <laughs> Oh, that's sick. I've always hated goddamn happy endings. Oh, yes. We have finally come to the final part of this OVA. Part 4. This episode is titled Cop Killer. And no doubt, the title, as many things we'll find in this uh, this fourth and final part, ripped off a whole slew of things. Very recognizable things from the 90s. And Cop Killer, the title, is no exception. Cop Killer, of course, was the... album title to the band Body Count fronted by Ice-T who you may recognize from Special Victims Unit and Tank Girl and what else has he done? I think that's it. But yes... The Body Count debut album came out in March of 1992, which is the same year that, well, this last part of Mad Bull 34 came out. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that was the inspiration for the title of this episode. Anyways, so yeah, part four. The story goes there's a a cop killer killing NYPD officers. The killer is uh, can only be described as not the predator, even though he's uh, he's wearing a predator suit. So the suit from the predator, it's 
very, very, very similar, but it's not the Predator, even though it looks just like the Predator. It's different enough to not get sued, I suppose. But this, uh, this cop killer, this Predator person, uh, well, let's see, just the eight cops are killed by the, uh, by the predator's wolverine claws in less than in less than 5 minutes into this into this episode so already an impressive body count get it body count cop killer oh my god eight cops are killed in less than 5 minutes and the oh yeah and the predator suit has the fucking wolverine claws just like the predator um, so the, yeah, it opens up with, uh, the predator going around and just killing random NYPD cops, just one after another. And after a bunch of cops are massacred, cut to sleepy getting his fuck on because mad bull fucks. It is the way it is the way. Of Mad Bull 34. Sleepy has to fuck in every episode. It is essential. It is the way. The Predator rolls up on a napping Dizaboro. And Dizaboro is catching some Z's outside the building where Sleepy's having uh, vaginal intercourse outside of wedlock. Uh Dizaboro is uh, startled by the Predator and um, a shootout begins. And the shots uh, startle Sleepy and he sees that Dizaboro shooting at this this person in this armored spacesuit thing. And uh, Sleepy runs downstairs and him and Dizaboro... Uh, empty their guns at the Predator, but the suit is bulletproof. The Predator has a chance to kill Dizaboro and Sleepy, but chooses not to. And the Predator decides to uh, to leave the area uh, right as backup pulls up. So a cop car pulls up, and um, the uh, Predator blows up the car the cop car with the shoulder cannon that looks like a uh, lightsaber hair dryer, just like the Predator, even though it's not the Predator. I'm telling you, the, the cop killer looks like uh, looks like the Predator suit. Uh, the, the, the name of the Predator they refer to as the Capricorn Killer, and they and they reference that like Sleepy named the Predator the Capricorn Killer because he watched Dirty Harry and in Dirty Harry the serial killer in that movie was called Scorpio and he thought it'd be hilarious if this killer was called Capricorn. I guess. I don't think it's hilarious. It's an interesting reference. Dirty Harry's a really good movie. Uh, but it's, uh, anyways, that's where the name comes from. So they referred to the predator as a uh, Capricorn, uh, the Capricorn killer. 
who specifically kills police officers um, and has, you know, the predator suit, has the shoulder cannon with the hair dryer thing on his and that's the thing it looks like the predator hair dryer shoulder cannon thing but it kind of looks like a lightsaber and well speaking of lightsaber when the predator unleashes its uh, wolverine slash predator claws uh yeah when the capricorn like unleashes his predator claws the sound that the claws make when they come out they're they're literally the sound of a lightsaber being turned on from Star Wars. It's the exact same sound. It's brilliant, really. They this like this character. They basically created a character that violates as many intellectual properties as possible. So, and kills cops. It's insane. So far, they're ripping off uh, body count. They're ripping off a predator. They're ripping off Star Wars. This, this, they're ripping off Dirty Harry. It's just a, a true monster, a rabid beast that needs to be put down. So after, after this, um, nine more police and SWAT team members are killed. Uh, Sleepy confronts the predator, and the predator. Asked if Sleepy remembers someone named Kevin Murphy, and um, not the Kevin Murphy who was the uh, voice actor who played Tom Servo in Mystery Science Theater 3000. Not that Kevin Murphy. Another Kevin Murphy. Uh, Kevin Murphy was a close friend and fellow police officer. Um, a close friend to Sleepy, that is, and uh, and police officer who just one day vanished and was presumed dead uh, three years prior. And again, the predator doesn't kill Sleepy and escapes. So uh, Sleepy assumes that the predator may be his long-lost friend Kevin Murphy. So there's a there's this quick but hilarious scene where the cops are having a meeting at the police station about how to stop the predator, you know, like what information do they have so far that they can use to capture and defeat this predator person and Sleepy brings up Kevin Murphy's name was mentioned when he confronted the predator and when they pull up Kevin Murphy's like police file on the computer. You know, his, his picture comes up, his name, his like, you know, his basically his, you know, his his his, his file on his police service. <laughs> in huge letters in the middle of the computer screen, okay, there's like his picture and his name and a bunch of information on him, but in the middle of the screen, it says nationality American nationality American I believe they were trying to spell nationality 
but somebody typed in nationality instead. It's phonetically racist spelling, and it's hilarious. And it's hard to miss. Uh, This episode is the shit. Well, at least, like, the first two-thirds of this is a fucking great, great episode. It's a great ending to this series. Um, The end kind of dwindles a little bit, but we'll get to that. So, there's a SWAT team leader guy whose name is, like, Bean. And I think they're trying to reference... uh, uh, Sean Bean. Well, not Sean Bean. Sean Bean's another guy. Michael Bean. That's who I'm. Uh, that's who I'm thinking of. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look and see how they actually spell the SWAT team leader Bean's uh, last name, but I feel like they're probably using Michael Bean's name. Which is kind of a a reoccurring thing in this show. Like, Sleepy's name is John Estes. Like, Sleepy's his nickname. And there's actually, like, an old blues musician named Sleepy John Estes. So that's kind of a thing that goes on with a few of the characters in this show. Anyways, that's not important. Anyways, uh, so the SWAT team leader, Bean, wants to use... Sleepy as bait, basically. So Sleepy's like, okay, you can use me as bait so you can, you know, uh, lure the the Capricorn uh, Predator character into a uh, into a trap. So Sleepy challenges Capricorn, aka Predator, to a fight to the death in Yankee Stadium. So. The cops empty the streets of New York City and empty out Yankee Stadium so that Sleepy can have can have a fight to the death with the Capricorn Predator guy. So Sleepy uh, is lowered into Yankee Stadium onto the field onto the onto the baseball diamond by helicopter wearing a like a mech suit it looks like the um the P5000 powered workloader if you remember what that looks like it's it's the suit that uh Ripley wears in aliens it was like used to like move cargo around and what she ultimately uses at the end of the movie to uh, fight the alien queen. So his mech suit basically looks like a power loader, and except it's white, and I, you know, the aliens one is uh, it's like yellow, but it's basically the exact same thing. Sleepy removes um, the helmet off of the uh, predator suit during you know once they start fighting, and you know they they start fighting. He manages to grab a hold of the um, the mask of the Predator suit and pull the helmet off to reveal a young black woman with braids. And 
Sleepy recognizes her. And, you know, and this is all information, like who it is and whatnot will be uh, revealed to us later. But you could, he's like, holy shit, I recognize you sort of thing. And then she basically blows up Sleepy's mech suit and then escapes. And, <laughs> okay, so Sleepy throughout this entire series gets blown up a, a bunch of times. Like, like he is exploded with bombs on a regular basis and it doesn't kill him or maim him, maim him or disfigure him in any way. Like, That's just a thing that exists. So it's like you just have to ignore the fact that this mech suit, this metal armored suit is blown to pieces, but somehow he's fine laying on laying on the field in Yankee Stadium. So she blows up his suit and then she escapes. So turns out that Kevin Murphy, Officer Kevin Murphy, had a sister who was 10 years his junior? Ew. Ten, 10 fucking years? What were their parents doing? That's that's too big of a gap. 10 fucking years? My brother and I are 40 years apart. And that seems like that seems like a long period of time. That seems like a like a gap, but 10 years. Anyways, so uh, they're basically established that she's like really young. She's young and hot and, uh, and whatnot, but, and, you know, she's the sister of Kevin Murphy and she, and she was the Capricorn predator the entire time. Um, turns out Kevin, her brother was killed by the mafia and the police didn't care that this happened. So now Cindy, her, that's her name. <laughs> her name is Cindy. The Capricorn Predator's name is Cindy. And she wants revenge on the police and the mafia. It's a very long story. It's there. Basically, I'm going to try to sum this up very quickly. Kevin left the police force and was doing work for the mafia to make money for Cindy to be trained at an Olympic training center to be in the Olympics. And he should have spent the money to cure his stomach cancer, but he loved Cindy more and uh the mafia found out he was uh using stolen money from them to do this so they killed him by uh burying him in wet cement <laughs> yeah anyways all you need to know is she hates the police and she hates the mafia now she has this fucking uh, predator suit 
and she is going to exact her revenge and kill uh, everyone who's in the police or in the mafia. That's that's what's going on now. Now, there's a scene where Sleepy is at a bar just trying to wrap his head around his former best friend's little sister is now this murderer. So he's drinking alone and uh, out of nowhere, Cindy appears, not in the mech suit. She's actually kind of, she's dressed like, uh, uh, what does she look like? She looks like Sailor, she's dressed like Sailor Moon. Black Sailor Moon. Um, and they basically have a conversation and a couple of drinks and uh, you know, basically when it comes down to it, she's like, now she, she's like begging sleepy to have a sleepover with her, which as we all know, means one thing. It's time to fuck. Cause this is sleepy. We're dealing with. If sleepy's spending the night, it means it's time to fuck. So one soft core hentai scene later, Sleepy is uh, chained to a bed and one of many exposition dumps takes place. Something about a Japanese armament firm made the predator suit with mafia money. It's... It's long-winded. Well, Cindy leaves Sleepy chained to the bed after the exposition dump uh, and leaves to go meet up with the Mafia where you find out that the Mafia sent Cindy in the Predator suit to go kill cops. But what they didn't uh, anticipate is Cindy was going to turn on the mafia and decides to kill the entire mafia. So (laughs) this, she begins to massacre all these mafia dudes with her Wolverine claws and shoulder cannon. It's a large bloody body count and lots of explosions. Uh, so that's cool. And then Dizaboro rescues Sleepy, and who's still like chained up in bed, and informs him that the Capricorn Cindy Predator lady is in Little Italy, killing all the mafia and any cops who dare to come near uh the site of this fucking massacre that is going on. Okay, so Cindy Capricorn is uh, cornered in a church. The church is surrounded by cops. Sleepy shows up and tells the SWAT and police to just kind of stand down for now. He's going to go in. He's going to go in after her. So, by himself. So Sleepy goes in and tells Cindy 
that she needs to marry him. She needs to marry him and then they can both commit suicide together and have their honeymoon in heaven where her dead brother Kevin is and they can all be together in heaven and they can have their honeymoon in heaven after committing suicide. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think you go to heaven if you commit suicide. Do you? I don't know. I was raised Catholic. I feel like I should know this. I don't think you can go to heaven after committing suicide. I think if you're like a, uh, some sort of, uh, Islamic extremist or something you do, but, uh, Catholicism, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember that being mentioned in catechism when I was going to St. Anthony's church for my, you know, getting, getting groomed for my first communion. But yeah, that's basically what, and this all comes out of nowhere, by the way, like sleepy's like marry me and then we'll both commit suicide together. Okay. So after a short ceremony, cause Dizaboro and Perrine show up, they go into the church and sleepy's like, we're going to get married and you guys can act as minister and witness to our marriage. And they're just like, okay, let's see where this goes. So, so sleepy and, uh, Cindy alien versus predator are married. They go up to the bell tower of the church to commit suicide by shooting each other in the hearts at the same time. So they're going to, they're going to go up to the bell tower together. And then like, I guess they're going to do the, Okay, on three, one, two, three, and then bang, they're going to shoot each other in the hearts, and then they're both going to die, and then they're both going to go to heaven. (laughs) So they go up there, and they're like, okay, uh, let's let's do this, and then you, boom, shots ring out, and then it cuts back, and then She's she's wearing she's wearing like a white wedding dress, right? And then all of a sudden, you see her wedding dress just starts just blood starts pouring onto her wedding dress from her chest because she's shot in the heart. Um. So shots ring out, and Sleepy shoots Cindy, but Cindy doesn't shoot Sleepy. Did I say that right? I think I said that right. Sleepy shoots Cindy, but Cindy doesn't shoot Sleepy. She says it's for the best, and they will meet again years from now in heaven. Uh, Sleepy, with tears in his eyes, um, screams out in horror and says goodbye to her before she closes her eyes and dies. So, Sleepy with, you know completely distraught carries her body out of the church and into a snowy New York night. The end. And that is the end of Mad Bull 
34. And I like it a lot. It's weird. It's ultra-violent. It's, uh... There's, it's got everything you need. There's there's cop drama and there's sex and there's drugs and there's weird villains and there's all kinds of shit going on and it's uh I mean it's definitely not Paw Patrol, that's for sure. And you know, it's it's one of those things that I hope that a serious director could make into a live action film at some point. Let's see. Maybe the Wachowskis. What was it? They did. What was that movie? Jupiter rising, Jupiter ascending, Jupiter, something. The one where magic Mike has Spock ears and he's like a troll or something. I don't know. I didn't watch it, but um, the Wachowskis, they, they do Matrix movies. That's what they do. You know, every time they kind of stray away from that, no one cares. But I think that they would do this. I think they would do this some justice, really. You know, uh, especially from a- after seeing that, that shootout scene um, on the freeway where the cars are flipping and shit like that. That, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I think the Wachowskis would do really well with this. Um Oh, God, you know who would do really well with this is um, director Panos Cosmatos. He should direct a live-action version of this. He is the son of George Cosmatos, who directed uh, Cobra with Sylvester Stallone. I believe he did Rambo First Blood Part 2 and... I believe Tombstone. So, you know, George Cosmatos is dead, so he can't direct it. Rest in peace, George Cosmatos. Uh, but Panos Cosmatos, he makes fucking good movies too, man. He did Beyond the Black Rainbow, which I highly recommend. Beyond the Black Rainbow is wonderful, strange movie. It's It rode the... Uh, it was... Before 80s nostalgia really became a thing, like Stranger Things and all that kind of stuff, it, like Beyond the Black Rainbow was before that. And it's if like if you like altered states, um, what else can I compare it to? THX 1138, maybe. Um, there's a lot of weird shit going on in it, and it's it's fucking it's cool. Just watch Beyond Black Rainbow, and uh, he Panos Cosmatos also directed uh, the Nicolas Cage movie Mandy, and I think people are a little more familiar with Mandy than they are Beyond the Black Rainbow. But Mandy is also very good, and fucking Nicolas Cage. Big, big fan of Nicolas Cage here at Skeleton Factory. Big time. I mean, I think, and I don't know what Panos Cosmatos has, you know, coming up next. It's, you know, he doesn't, like, knock out a movie every year. He just kind of, like, makes a movie when he's ready to make a fucking movie. So, 
I think he would do a really, really good version of uh, Mad Bull 34, but what the fuck do I know? Anyways, let's see. It is, well, it's early December right now. And in future episodes, I'm going to start doing some Christmas movies. I'm going to be doing some Christmas movies, so look out for that. Uh, Which ones? Uh, Well, I have not determined that yet. I have some ideas. But, um, you know, you just have to stay tuned for that. And I think... um, I'm going to leave you with some some <laughs> some highlights, some quotes from um episode 4 Cop Killer. So let's go to that right now. Enjoy. Oh, oh yeah, fuck me baby. Oh. <laughs> Oh, you got the tightest pussy, Hannah. I just love it. Eat it, motherfucker! Son of a bitch, I'll tear him limb from fucking limb! Now let's see who's really hiding underneath that mask. Let me see your face, you cocksucker! I am Capricorn. I fear nothing. When tonight is over, my revenge will be complete. The guilty will die! Ha 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 ha! We'll pull the triggers at the same time. Then we can be together forever. New York feeds on human misery. Gradually, it sucks the life out of us. It's a monster. Well, y'all, thank you so much for listening. Please check out Mad Bull 34 wherever you can find it. I highly recommend it. And given that this is December, I will be getting into some Christmas films. Probably more along the lines of horror Christmas films. And that's what you have to look forward to from me through the month of December. Again, thank you so much for listening. And you can keep tabs on me on Instagram at skeleton underscore factory. This is a Skeleton Factory podcast. Rescuing your movie night. One movie at a time. Have a good night. Bye.